Hello and welcome to another episode of What's the Word with Willette, where we talk everyday topics with everyday people, focusing on wellness one day at a time. We strive to keep our mission to help change lives through faith-based principles, wellness, and life coaching. I am your host, Willette, and I'm excited for you to listen to today's episode. Today, we are talking about leadership, particularly young women in leadership and how They are molded for the steps to take to begin their journey towards leadership. My guest, Tanya Carter, has written her first book. It is a positive guide for young women to equip themselves for future leadership roles by leveraging their strengths and practicing during their formative years of 13 to 18 years old. Tanya Carter is a leader, teacher, coach, mentor, developer, and supporter for over 30 years. Tanya has had several leadership positions within the military, General Motors, and has switched to recently HR leadership. Please tune in in today's episode and don't forget to check out and share our past episodes on What's the Word with Willat. You can find us on your preferred media platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Alexa, and more. Now sit back and get ready as we dive into our new episode today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of a new episode with What's the Word with Willette. We are talking everyday topics with actually what I consider unsung heroes because they are doing amazing things in our country, in our state, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and I love highlighting them on this platform. So today, I have my line sister. Yes, Miss Tanya Carter. Yay! And she is doing some amazing things, not just because she's my line sister, but she actually has a brand new book coming out and we are going to dig into it not too deep because we want you to get the book but we are definitely going to give enough just to whet the appetite to get you interested and get you to download that book so without further ado I am going to start with my friend my sister Tanya Carter thank you so much for being on the show today Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So I want you to tell us, I know a little bit about you, but I want you to tell the people, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I actually grew up here in the Prince William County area. I left for college and went to West Point, became an engineer officer. Once I served domestically and abroad, uh, I then was able to start working for General Motors. They actually hired me for leadership experience as an engineer because that's what I did in the Army. But then my background was recognized more for my strength with people, Uh leading people, developing Uh others. And so I ended up getting promoted to a human resources role and a supervisory role there. 
But while I was doing that, I recognized how much I love the people side of the business more than I like the engineering side. So I ended up deciding to go back to school and mm-hmm. I started really focusing on my HR leadership journey at that time. Okay. I ended up getting my master of training and development focused on, on uh, that organizational development piece and then found myself coming back to the Prince William County area. Who does that? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I came back to be closer to family and work for another company called the United States Enrichment Corporation, where I was promoted to being a human resource manager. Again, Mm -hmm. that leadership growth was happening. Uh, And about eight and a half or so years ago, Court Business Services came on my radar and and wanted me to come work for them. And now it's been eight and a half years and I work for Court Business Services as a director of corporate HR and have been on this HR leadership track for over 20 years. Mm, that is amazing. So um, before we get into talk about the book, I actually have a, a question. Um, and hopefully it's not a question within a question. Um, there's so many different types of engineers. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the different engineers? Like I know I've heard of civil engineer, mechanical engineer. What are some of the different types of engineers and what they do? Sure. I was a general engineer from studies, but I ended up becoming more of a construction engineer. Okay. Um, I ended up working on, it's like vertical and horizontal construction. You can build houses uh, or you can lay roads, build pavilions, concrete, masonry, you know, that kind of thing. But I led that type of engineering, but there's also electrical engineering, industrial engineering, mm-hmm. Civil engineering, you already mentioned, Uh, those types are, they vary based on the type of interest you have. Mm -hmm. If you like working with electricity and circuitry, then electrical engineering might be for you. Uh, If you like working with space, civil engineering is great. Uh, And with industrial engineering, it's often about the timing, understanding, studying work and how to effectively do that work um, by doing time studies and evaluating Mm. um, everything like that. So there's a, there's a lot of engineering opportunities that you can consider. Thank you for that. Cause I know, you know, that's not the focus, but I do know I get that um, a lot. It's in the school system. A lot of children ask saying, I want to be an engineer and I'm trying to dig deeper and see what kind of engineer do they want to be? You know, (laughs) have they done the homework? Sometimes we research it together. So it's just good to know one that it's just not one generic, you know, engineer there are different concentrations and there's absolutely um, so many for whoever is interested in that uh, field um, to fit their um, desire. So thank you for that. Thank you. So now getting into the book. So you recently, is this your first book? Yes, it is. Okay. So you recently wrote your first book. Tell us where did you get the inspiration to write the book? Well, that's actually twofold. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing is that I was really thinking back on my personal experiences and it really triggered a desire to help other people. So my work that I do in HR allows me to do that in smaller doses. And I really wanted to impact a larger scale, a larger audience. So the book allows me to do that. That was one of my inspirations. But the other one is that uh, that driver was my children. I, I had children of my own, two of which your our daughters. And as you know, well, uh, children make you reflect on, you know, how do we set them up for long term success? Absolutely. And this book was one of those ways in which I could do that. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Did you write the book based on your life experiences that you had with your children? You kind of already answered that, but really trying to dig deeper into when was that moment where you were like, I have to turn this into a book? 
Well, there's several there because the, the book itself has not only stories that I shared about my experiences, mm-hmm. or the children's experiences, but it actually captures other stories, people mm-hmm. with other perspectives. Okay. The book provides a path for self-discovery mm-hmm. where not when I share these things and I grab other compelling stories from different people from with different perspectives, I, I do this because stories resonate differently with each reader. Mm-hmm. And some may not resonate with them. So mm-hmm. having all these different stories is really important because the path to success as a leader is not formulaic. It's not an if then. It's mm-hmm. not a step one, two, three, four to, that's going to allow you to get to a, an ultimate successful story. Um, but readers need to be able to understand their own strengths and leverage them to accomplish their goals. And the best way to do that is to kind of model some of the different things they're hearing and, you know, building on that for themselves. Okay, awesome. So to give our listeners a little bit of a platform, a preface, if you will, of the book, it deals with leadership. Tell us a little bit about a little bit more specifically what it deals with with leadership. Sure. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that it's primarily about young, four young women trying to get them to step out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. practice now mm-hmm. how to be a leader in the future in their teens, in high school. And, and the reason why is because when males and females are in high school, the females tend to be given the safe. They're encouraged to be safe. They're encouraged to get those straight A's and be perfect, where boys from an early age are taught to you know, try things, jump off the monkey bars from the very top head first, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and you've got that difference. So when it comes to trying to do things in the future, the the young women are trying to be perfect Mm -hmm. and the young men are risk takers. Mm -hmm. So this is about stepping out of your comfort zone and being a risk taker and a barrier breaker. So just to give a little bit more about that, each chapter that was chosen was based on a survey result um, where the topics were women saying what it was that they needed. And based on that, that's what each chapter is about. Each topic is on that a chapter that has been expressed as important to them at, at that stage. And then I put them in an order that makes the most sense experientially. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do believe that there are some foundational things that you really, I would really want them to focus on. And the first one is that they have to recognize the value that they have, because that's a huge step to building confidence at a time when they typically struggle, struggle with it. Puberty is a, a crazy time. And we put a lot of, we're already being thought to, you know, try to drill in perfection. So it's already hard. Yes. Somebody's mm. got to st- get them to step back and say, we're not perfect. It's about progress. It's about building on things and it's setting us up for longer term success. The other thing is to find their super why. People get distracted from whatever their priorities are. So if they have an ultimate goal, uh, that super why is to help them remember the ultimate reason why they're doing what they do and why they're choosing to go in a particular direction. And when they get distracted, remembering the super why can help them get back on track. Sometimes it's about delayed gratification and making that necessary choice to stay on track with what's the most important to you. So it's got to be something real. It's got to be something that's so important to you that it will help you ask yourself, do I want to do what I want or do I want to stay focused on what I need? Uh, And the super why helps you do that. Do you need energy? 
Do you need a boost for your metabolism? Do you need to lose weight? Get our Slimmer Weight Loss product. It will not disappoint. Our products are organic, plant-based, gluten-free, no GMO, dairy-free, and animal cruelty-free. Check out these products and more on judascallin.com under Wellness Shop. Awesome. And we're going to get into the chapters in a little bit. And you answered this, but I want to dig a little deeper in it. Um, Why do you believe developing leadership skills in girls at a younger age, particularly the 13 to 18 year age bracket is important? Because I do believe you've told the listeners why it's important for young women to uh, want and aspire for leadership um, skills and goals and aspirations. Um, But why that specific age range? Well, and, and that the reason why I really strongly believe this is the area that's the timing of it is right is that they're the formative years before they start to become adults. This is where they're trying to figure out what direction that they want to take for their adult lives. They're starting to prepare for that independent. Uh, this is the best time to practice too, because it's a bit of a safety net because the support that is in place for them, like parents, guardians, counselors, coaches, mm-hmm. teachers, et cetera, are there for guidance. And the learning opportunities can help to build on those, on the confidence and help expose them to some different things so they can kind of figure out what their future possibilities are. They can, um, this can help with discovering and choosing their future path, especially from a leadership perspective. Okay, awesome. Now, do you think there are any parts of the book that are more, I'm careful to say this because the entire book is unique, but certain parts that you 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 may want people to really get and hone in on, uh, unique, if you will, or, or like a crux or core of the book, the essence of what you want people to understand of the book. Is there any part of the book that stands out in your mind, just thinking about it now, that you would say, yes, this chapter is, is a chapter, no matter what, you need to get this chapter? There are actually two that really stand out to me. The first one is, is stronger than you think. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's, I think it's important people to understand that times can get tough, but you can push through mm-hmm. even when you know that there are going to be setbacks because setbacks do happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that people need to understand that because things won't always go your way. Yeah. But how do you respond to that? Sure. Sure. But the other one is that you don't live life alone. Mm-hmm. And this is a conversation I've even had with my daughters on a regular basis is that their sense of independence was so strong. They wanted to achieve on their own merit. And so they would rely on themselves alone. Mm-hmm. But in our adult lives, we don't even do that. Mm-hmm. We need to engage others. We need to seek support. We need to seek coaching and mentoring. And that's a, a critical part. The people who succeed are the ones who do that. It's a very, a very true statement. And, and like I said, we're going to get into that a little deeper because I actually just from seeing the names of the chapters in the book, it spawned like one or two questions for me. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about and see do they tie in or can they tie in anyway um, with the book. So we'll be getting into that in just a moment. But do you think this book is helpful for others? Or is it really just the the young girls, 13 to 18? Could it be for the woman who's already gotten in her career and then realize, oh, I really don't think this is for me? Um, or the young man who really hasn't had too much guidance and is kind of lost and kind of floundering a little bit and doesn't know really what to do. Can this book help them as well? 
Absolutely. Any reader is going to be able to pick up some nuggets of information that can be helpful, according to my test audience. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had multiple people read it and the feedback was really positive. And they've actually said that even though they have an established career, some there were some really great reminders within. And some of the young men, they would say that the uh, topics uh, apply to them as well. But I would just say that the body of work has topics that are meant for a unique set of circumstances that women face in their teens and often can be roadblocks uh-huh. to using leadership roles uh-huh. uh, until much later along their career path. Sure. Um, but it's not that the information is not valuable to anyone looking at it, but the body of work is meant for uh, these teen women. Okay, awesome. Thank you for that. So without getting, we're getting ready to get into the chapters, y'all. I know I keep saying that, like, when are you going to get into them? We're getting ready to get into them. But mm-hmm. I do have just one question, really as a broader question, before we kind of dig into the chapters a little bit. So without giving too much away, of course, um, can you give us a little glimpse of what the readers can expect from reading their book, this book? Like, are there, you know, in your mind, are there three top things? Hey, if they walk away with this from the book, I, I feel like I've, I've met the goal when writing this book. Right. Well, I I can tell you that what's helpful is in looking at each of the chapters, identifying which ones are the best life lessons that they think that they're going to walk away with. Mm -hmm. I I think that they all are meaningful, but if they can understand each one is standalone. But so when you look at the title, you can pick up on the life lesson that's going to come from it. I share my perspective with some real life examples, but I also share other examples from other people from the survey, family members, friends, colleagues. This is real time information. It's not made up. It's not uh, anything that wouldn't make sense to them. They're going to be able to read the stories and actually envision themselves in that. And I think that that's going to be important. But it's also a fun book. It's, it's an easy read. It's got illustrations in it. As a matter of fact, it the, addresses the different styles of learning. There's a visual component. There's a reading component. And then there's activities at the end. That's at the awesome. end of each chapter, is a place to apply what's been learned by completing activities, taking notes, making plans, and evaluating the results so that they can continue to grow. And I think those are three really important things for them when they when they consider reading this book. I am super excited. Let me tell you, I can't wait to get my hands on it. I just got a little glimpse of it, but I'm excited to read this book um, because I do think it's it's good for anyone at any age. And, I, and I'm a kinesthetic, tactile type of learner. So the fact that it has the activities kind of, you know, the reflection pieces at the end, I love it. Like you sold me on that alone. So I'm, I'm ready for it. I, I can't wait. So And I like that you said kinesthetic because that's exactly what I had as a note to say that this is for all types of learners mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it I lo- and that's and that's amazing because everyone's not visual and auditory you know you have right. you have kids you know children adults they just learn in different ways and that's what a real teacher coach does you can meet those needs right so I'm excited I'm excited I'm over here grinning I'm excited so we're going to get into the chapters at least the names and just kind of get into a little dialogue about that so the first chapter a leadership's perspective what is your personal view of leadership and how others should view leadership. And I'm asking that because some people, they have a lot of views when it comes to leadership. And sometimes it's that they can't obtain it. It's only meant for certain people. And that's something even within uh, people, my you, you have to, you know, kill that, like eradicate that kind of thinking, you know, I, and I'm not going to take away, I want you to answer the question, but I do feel like 
people need not view leadership like they can't obtain it. Um, Because I think if that's who you feel you were built to be, you can do it. You just have to get the tools and make sure you refine them sometimes to be the best leader that you can be. So I'll repeat it again because I did a little talking there. (laughs) So what are your views on leadership and how um, leadership should be viewed? Well, I I think it's important to level set what I mean by leadership Mm -hmm. uh, in this book. And at the beginning of every every chapter, I actually note the definition that I'm using to Mm -hmm. think about as you're going through the chapters. Mm -hmm. Um, In this case, uh, I'm feeling very strongly that it is the finding yourself in a position to lead or influence others towards a goal. That doesn't mean that you always have to be in the front to do that. Sometimes it's about being a good follower. Mm -hmm, Sometimes mm -hmm. it's about quietly having influence Mm -hmm. um, versus standing in front and saying, follow me. Mm. Um, On the side of, let's say, the captain of a sports team, they're in a position or role of motivating and encouraging the team to win games, meets, matches, whatever. But if you think about it, they didn't jump right into the captain's role. They most often were selected because they were respected because they gained that respect from their peers over the years of participating in the sport. So they had some kind of informal leadership mm-hmm. uh, with the team to the point where they felt very strongly that this was the right captain. And this book is about helping to explore the ways and actions to practice more opportunities like that. So do you feel like you need to know how to follow before you can lead? I think you have to. You need mm-hmm. to know what you're leading. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand being a part of the team, mm-hmm. how can you lead the team? Because you don't know what the team vision is. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know how all the pieces work together. Doesn't mean you have to be an expert at any given thing. You know, if you're a leader of a team and there's somebody who's the subject matter expert on a particular topic, being a leader and knowing when to leverage that knowledge is just as important as being the leader and having the knowledge. I think that's very important because I do feel like what I've seen, at least in the last three years, a lot of the young children I come in contact with, they, you know, I'm going to be a CEO. I'm going, and I, I'm here for it. I'm going to encourage you all the way. But I'm absolutely always encouraging that piece of, you know, just ensure you're sitting under someone who has experience, been there, done that. You don't need to bump your head, burn your hand on the stove when, you know, the person has already done it and knows how to get around it. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I do, I, I do see a lot of, I just want to be in front. I just want to be, you know, the lead. I see that even now Um, with, I don't, I'm not even putting an age on on that just really anybody I mean with social media especially with us having been in a pandemic everyone wants to be the next biggest thing great hit in this this and that and I think there's a humility humbleness with that as well with knowing how to follow I think it's a gift and I think it's a gift that more of us need to learn how to do true I actually equate what you're talking about is that not only the followership but being a servant leader Mm -hmm. sometimes putting things in a perspective of I may be in a leadership role but I recognize that I'm here to serve those people. I'm here to be a resource, a roadblock buster for for those that I'm uh, responsible for. Mm -hmm. And when you have that mindset that everyone's almost a customer, then you're going to have great relationships and you're going to be able to supply the resources and support that they need. And they're going to look up to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Thank you for that. So the next chapter is Diamond in a Rough Value. 
One of my favorites. Yes. So, and I, and this is a little passionate for me because I feel like I see this a lot. I've experienced this and it's, it, it definitely just even seeing the title and what I felt it may deal with. Cause I, you know, I don't know, but. It, 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 it did something when I was like, wow, because I, again, what I want to know from you is, do you believe women um, and, and, and it could be, you know, all women or women of color, women, period. Do you believe they're not valued in today's society still? And especially in the corporate world, you know, how do we keep our our shine without without it being dimmed? You know, I tell people shine bright like a diamond. One girl told me back, I can't. I, my lights keeps being dimmed. And, and I wasn't expecting that answer. Back. And I'm like, well, 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 what do you do when that happens? And, you know, if I had further conversation with her, but I was just it was one of those things. I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. So what, what what are your what are your thoughts on that? So my personal opinion and my experience is that women are actually valued, but I feel like roadblocks get in the way to our place at the business table because it's predominantly male, uh-huh. uh, it's specifically in predominantly male industries. Uh-huh. People gravitate towards what they know. Uh-huh. So if you've never seen, let's say, a female operations or engineering manager your filter is going to say, you know, I should probably hire a male. Uh So the female has to spend more time proving that she's capable Uh and and that she should be an option. Having, I would say, having a mentor in that field is extremely important while continuing to hone the knowledge and the skills because the combination of both means that the mentor is going to be able to help navigate those minefields. Because they recognize once someone sees you, I mean, like really sees you, you you can really get females in in the higher level leadership position, but they have to be willing to step forward and say, it's my turn. I want to do this and I am capable and really push the issue. And then again, having that mentor or somebody who sponsors you to say, I see it too. And I'm going to speak for you when the opportunity comes. That's how we can continue to shine bright like a diamond. I love it. Thank you for that. I do. I wanted, I kind of wanted to end it there because I was so good how you ended it. (laughs) But I got another, I, I, I thought of another question as you were saying that, and it's more probably HR related. Do you believe people like they, they're good on paper? And then when the panel or whomever is interviewing you sees you, then it's like all of a sudden everything changes. Like they may have looked at you on paper and be like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then they meet or see the person and kind of, I don't know, views may change or, you know, shifts may happen for whatever whatever reason. Have you ever experienced that maybe yourself or someone has told you they may feel that they have experienced that? And if so, what is your suggestion for someone who maybe have dealt with that situation or may possibly deal with that situation? You know, because it's it's I don't want to say it's easy to read the room, but I do think you can go in a room and go guns in and so happy. And then, you know, sometimes people give you that stone interview face and that's just what they do. Um, But then sometimes you can get in your own head and then start getting in your own way in the interview. So what are your thoughts on that? No, I absolutely agree. The interview process is supposed to be about getting a picture of the whole person. Mm -hmm. So the resume is going to say one thing Mm -hmm. and they may have killed the resume. It's Mm -hmm. got all the qualifications and everything's great. Uh, And I spoke on the phone for a screening interview and which is really short. It's really, again, about qualifications and getting a sense of how the person communicates. Uh, And they may have killed that too. Mm -hmm. And then they come into a face-to-face, maybe a panel, and you can actually take classes on how to interview and trick somebody (laughs) 
mm-hmm. <laughs> to believe in you're one way when you're not. But <laughs> if you're not ready for the interview and the different styles and, and personalities that are in the room, you may be able to be prepared to answer questions, but they're going to be watching for different things. Mm-hmm. And if there's not a connection on a communication level for the different types of personalities in the room, you will fail. And, and I say only say that because the intent for, I call it the rule of threes, to interview with three people of different perspectives and see how each of them feels about you. And then they end up talking and rating the interview and if they got out of it what they expected in hopes of finding a fit for the job and the company. Mm-hmm. And if they're not in agreement, then it won't go any farther. Mm-hmm. Um, but making sure to truly be authentic to yourself, share who you are, and feeling comfortable with that, either if they don't like it, then it's not the right place for you. Absolutely. I, I would say that that was the best advice. No, I, I think I think that's good. And I think that's good for listeners, me, anyone listening to hear that, because know that if you did not get that, then that's not the place you were meant to be at that time. You know, it may come around again. You never know. But at that time may not be for you. And you need not take it personal or need not trying to figure out well, this, 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 and that. You know, I know people always ask, well, how, you know, try to ask the interviewer, like, uh, you know, can I get some feedback or this, this, and that. But you and I both know people are very careful not to, to, to not not do that be for yeah. several reasons um right. so i like yeah, how you they just will said offer more generic mm-hmm. feedback you know the number of candidates was pretty high a lot of qualifications from another candidate we're going to be moving forward with them that that happens all the time and they're making business decisions mm-hmm. it's not a personal decision and so you shouldn't take it personal. So I was going to stop here because you guys know I like to keep my show to about 30 minutes, but I got to ask this last one and then uh, and then and then we'll we'll make this a part 2 for next week because your next chapter is you be you. So my question there is, do you believe it is possible to be too authentic, you know, in, in your in your workplace, because I don't ever think it's a, a thing to be too authentic in your life because that's your personal life you're living. But in the workplace, do you ever think you can be too real or, you know, is there a way? And if you do think that, is there a way to balance that authenticity uh, without being fake or not being true to yourself? Absolutely. The first thing I have to say in this is that each person really needs to remain authentic to themselves because no one can be a better you than you. Mm -hmm. Acting like someone else is not sustainable. You know, you need to mirror your own strengths. You can Mm -hmm. can find them in them and, and enhance your own, but to act like someone else, it's just hard to sustain. And so I find that people get this message twisted in two areas. They either model someone who is successful mm-hmm. and think they have to be just like that person uh, to the extent of losing themselves uh, or they communicate in a way that they seek to keep it real mm-hmm. in air quotes right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, but one story I shared in the book was about me doing that. Uh I worked in a predominantly male environment and I started to walk and talk just like them. But I I acted so much like them that I kind of lost myself and I wasn't as successful as I could have been until I started really focusing on who I was Uh because I couldn't sustain. I'm not a guy, so Uh I shouldn't be trying to sustain acting like a guy. There may be some components of how they act that are similar to my own because I was a bit of a tomboy. Uh But ultimately, it was 
it wasn't something that I could sustain. And I, I didn't really start to thrive until I realized that. But the other factor is that modeling the preferred communication style to match the culture uh-huh. is what's going to actually get your message apart. So what this means is I'm being my authentic self. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell it like it is. But if I want them to hear me and do something so that I can affect change, I need to communicate it in a way that they're going to understand it and apply it. Uh-huh. So if I'm if I want to keep it real and I want to share how I'm feeling because there's there's an issue here that has to be addressed, it's like having a transmitter and a receiver. I've got to share with somebody what's important and what needs to change, but I need to share it in a way that they're going to receive it without the static. Mm. That's good. So what it means is, is that I, I don't change my message, but I may change the way I deliver it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's a lot of times what happens is the, the conveying of the message in keeping it real doesn't have to be in your face keeping it real. And ladies and gentlemen, on that, we are going to end this week's episode. Um, We will be back next week again, uh, talking with my friend, my sister friend, Tanya Carter. We will continue the conversation walking through her book. I'm talking about leadership skills and so many other things. So make sure that you tune in. Thank you. you enjoyed today's show we love to read your thoughts comments and posts please send them to what's the word with willette at gmail.com please follow us on all our social media platforms our website is judascallin.com j-u-d-a-h-s-c-a-l-l-i-n-g.com twitter at what's the word w-i-2 instagram what's the word with willette facebook What's the word with Willette? TikTok at What's the word with Willette? Our number is 540-316-0445. We will be reading your thoughts, comments, and posts on our show. So send them in. Until next time, be blessed and be safe.